Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. Happy Wednesday. Josh is here. Unbothered. I'm going to be talking about some news that's happening around the NFL today regarding Chris Jones of the Chiefs, Jonathan Taylor in the Indianapolis Colts, the Jets' Corey Davis. Then, as I dive further into the NFL, what team everyone is watching for this year, what team I think is going to improve, regress, overrated, underrated, all that today. So let's get right into it, starting with the Chiefs, Kansas City, and Chris Jones saying in a tweet that he can afford to hold out till week eight. So Chris Jones was voted by his peers as the 10th best overall player in the NFL. Uh, he's holding out because he is in the last year of a four-year, $80 million contract. That annual value puts him at around 20 a year. He wants to be paid, you know, at the higher and like an Aaron Donald at, at $30 million. I believe Aaron Donald is a much, much better player than Chris Jones. Uh, this year was Chris Jones' first team All-Pro. He's had four Pro Bowls, but Chris Jones just hasn't been in the league of Aaron Donald. I'm sorry, I think he's a great defensive tackle, but he's nowhere near the production and the level that, excuse me, Aaron Donald is. Aaron Donald is a three-time defensive player of the year, uh, nine-time Pro Bowler, like eight-time All-Pro. Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, sack, I think he's led the league in sacks once, rookie of defensive rookie of year. I mean, he's fantastic. So I'm not going to pay Chris Jones that money. Um, again, for his breakout year, which of course happens to be the year that Aaron Donald is injured, and it's not really a head to head because of most head to head years. Again, it's. It's not close. It goes to Aaron Donald over Chris Jones. Now, when you look at uh, Chris Jones' stats as well, he's never led the league in a particular season. And I mean, uh, for example, sacks. His highest sack total was this year, which tied his tied his career high from 2018, which was 15 and a half. Uh, those are the only two times, 2018 and this past year, 2022, where he's eclipsed double-digit sacks. He's never done that before outside of those um, two years. Uh, tackle for losses uh, this year, 17. The only other time he had double digits was 2018, and he had 19. Again, no other times in this season did he have double digits. So when I look at that and the tackles, to me, I just can't justify him being on the level that Aaron Donald is. And, you know, he's a good defensive tackle. He's very good for what this system is in Kansas City because Kansas City desperately needs him on defense. He is, you know, one of their top three players, their third best player on the team. He's their best defensive player. And without him, I think you do lose a key cog in the pass rush where if you have 
your center or a guard trying to double team Chris Jones in there. Uh, you know, it leaves a matchup free for your, you know, outside edge rusher to win a one-on-one battle. So not having Chris Jones there would be a brutal loss for his pass rush, for his uh, defense, for a young secondary as well. Having a pass rush helps out the secondary as well. So I think, you know, if you have um, Chris Jones on this team, I think Kansas City goes in their first seven games until Chris Jones comes back. They play the Lions, Jags, Bears, Jets, Vikings, Chiefs, Chargers. I think without with him, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the ceiling is seven and zero. Floor with him is like five and two. Without him, I think the Ceiling is five and two, and the floor is four and three. That's what I honestly think. I think Chris Jones is a major factor on this team and on this defense. You can't have, again, your best defensive player afford to have him, so you just can't. Next NFL note. So the Colts are fielding offers from uh, Jonathan Taylor. They did give him until Tuesday, uh, you know, which is in six days, to find a suitable trading partner, you know, that meets their demands for the trade. So six teams have inquired about him. Two teams have officially made offers for Jonathan Taylor. So we don't know what the teams are or what the compensation is for the two teams who have actually submitted trades. But if you didn't listen to my podcast uh, yesterday, I went very in-depth with this Jonathan Taylor trade. Uh, With this report, it makes it seem more likely. Uh, Yesterday, I didn't think it was all that likely. I thought in the end, he's just going to end up coming back to the Colts. But this report, that hey, Teams have submitted offers. To me, makes it realize more that hey, if Jonathan Taylor wants it, he holds out. Then I think it's more likely now that he will be traded. And again, we don't know what the teams are, but the three teams I wanted, uh, one of them was the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Jerry Jones said today that he's good with his running back crew, so he's not going to trade for Don Jonathan Taylor. I disagree with Jerry Jones there, as I said yesterday. That, to me, vaults him to the Eagles and Niners level in terms of talent atop the NFC. The other team, I said, would be a great uh, trade destination would be Buffalo Bills. Again, the Bills having Jonathan Taylor would make them co-favorites alongside the Chiefs and the Bengals with the offensive weapons. Uh, That would be huge, and my last team was the Rams. I think if they want to get back on track, they have to dive into what made them great, uh, which was trading for Matthew Stafford, trading for Von Miller, making these trades, going out and siding OBJ, going back and dra- trading for Jonathan Taylor. That puts you back in the right spot, uh, gets you moving forward uh, farther up the you know mountain to climb to get back to the playoffs. So those were my three teams. We'll see if Jonathan Taylor gets traded. Once he does, 
I'll be sure to talk about it. Another NFL uh, note newsworthy item that uh, came out as well is Corey Davis, a wide receiver from the Jets, is retiring. He announced that he is stepping away from football. Uh, you know, he was away for the past 10 days on personal leave, and he is now, you know, retired. Uh, he was in the final year of his contract, and his role, I thought, was sort of diminished with the uh, Garrett Wilson assuming wide receiver one. I think he was going to battle for that wide receiver two, three slot. But it is a crowded offensive room because you have Garrett Wilson. They also added Alan Lazard, Mecole Hardman, Randall Cobb. It's four wide receivers right there with Corey Davis. It's five. And then you look at the running back room. It's Brees Hall. It's Dalvin Cook. It's, I think, Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter. I mean, their depth, you know, loaded uh, with this team. But Corey Davis did step away. I want to wish him a happy retirement and congratulate him on a good, uh, you know, NFL a career with the Titans and the New York Jets. Another uh, piece of news happening from around the NFL is that Sam Darnold was officially named the QB2 today. So he's the backup. Trey Lance loses the backup battle. So the quarterback, they took number three overall. Uh, you know, th- was it three drafts ago, two and a half months ago, uh, is now the third string quarterback on the team. Brock Purdy's a one. Sam Darnold is a two. Now they're expecting to explore all possible options with Trey Lance. Now Lance wasn't in attendance today. At the start of the practice, uh, Purdy is, you know, back and healthy now. Sam Darnold is QB2. And they also have veteran quarterback Brandon Allen on the team as well. They don't plan to keep more than three quarterbacks on the active roster. So it's either getting rid of Brandon Allen or Trey Lance. Now, to me, it's crazy to just think that they traded so much draft capital for Trey Lance. Because when you look at the trade that the Niners had to do, they had to make a trade with the Dolphins to get Trey Lance. So they used the draft capital that the they got. They got three first-round picks, the Dolphins did. With the capital that the Niners gave them, they went out and got Jalen Waddell in the draft, used a pick for Tyreek Hill, and another pick for Bradley Chubb. So those three players in essential for Trey Lance. That, to me, will probably go down as the most lopsided trade in NFL history, considering, to me, Waddle and Hill are the fastest and best duo. I'm not saying the Dolphins have the best wide receiver group or corp, but that's the best wide receiver duo. Tyreek Hill is a top three wide receiver in the NFL and top three, top five. And Jalen Model is just around the fringe there, around the top 10 mark, top 15. He's excellent. And Bradley Chubb is a difference maker 
on the defensive side of the football field. So that, to me, is very interesting. I think if I'm the Niners, I'd probably go with Brandon Allen. Uh, you just don't want any negativity surrounding the locker room. I would trade Trey Lance. That's what I would do. Of course, you're not going to get back that first-round pick or equivalent to what you gave up. Uh, but I do think you can get something. I would start him in the final preseason game, get him going, and then kind of use him and kind of dangle some trade options out there to get a draft pick back, get some sort of player. Because guess what? There's no team that I think is desperate for a quarterback right now. But there are teams that could, you know, use a backup in case their main guy uh, gets hurt. Or if a team just wants to not be terrible, you know, I look at a team like the um, Seattle Seahawks. I know it's with him in division, but Drew Locke, I know he's their backup, but he's not good. I think Trey Lance behind Geno Smith would be good, knowing that, hey, Geno ain't going to be there forever. I think he also fits in Atlanta as well. Uh, Behind Desmond Ritter, I don't think Desmond Ritter is the answer either. Um, I also think it would be smart uh, for a team like uh, Indianapolis. You know, Anthony Richardson, he gets injured. What happens there? Um, Or a, you know, Chicago Bear, if Justin Fields gets injured or doesn't pan out the way they want him to, maybe use him there or a Cleveland um, Browns and Deshaun Watson. So I do think there's places for Trey Lance to go. It'll just be interesting to see what where he ends up and what happens uh, to him. Now moving on to some more NFL uh, storylines, you can say. So there's one team, this two teams, I think, this year that everyone's been watching if you're a fan of or not, just because there's been so much attention around them this offseason. And one is the New York Jets. Now, fans of the New York Jets are, you know, actively interested in rooting for them. Haters of the Jets, such as Patriot fans, anti-Aaron Rodgers fans, are watching them because they want to see the Jets fail. They don't like Aaron Rodgers. They don't want them to do nothing. Whereas the, you know, fan of another team is just interested in the Jets because there's so much possibilities. There's been this media cloud around them this offseason. Uh, they made big moves, big splashes, and people like to see that. They went out and got Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they went out and got uh, Dalvin Cook. They purged some of the pieces from... Uh, Green Bay to uh, New York with Aaron Rodgers. They also got Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Adrian Amos. So they went out and got players. They also had a good young core last year that people were interested in. Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner. You pair all that together, this is a team that people will be watching regardless if that is their team or not. There's another team people are watching, that's the Denver Broncos. 
Now, it's not just Broncos fans or rivals of the Broncos or just Seahawks fans as well. A lot of football fans are watching the Broncos this year. Why? Well, yes, you did get to see Russell Wilson last year in a Broncos uniform. But this year, they went out and got a superstar head coach in Sean Payton. And the question everybody's asking and wondering is, is this going to work? Is Sean Payton going to improve Russell Wilson? Is he going to get Russell Wilson back to the form he was with in Seattle, where he was a pro bowler and a very dynamic, great quarterback? That's the question people want to know. And you have those people that are fans of the Broncos. You have people rooting for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson to do well. Or you have people hoping that, hey, Russell Wilson doesn't work out. And, and again, that turns out to be just a terrible trade and contract altogether for the Denver Broncos. Personally, I think it will be better than last year, but I don't think it will have the Drew Brees type of success where they win uh, Super Bowls and they're in the NFC Championship, or in this case, AFC Championship game multiple times. I do not see that happening either. Now, there's one thing, and now moving on to another team, I want to highlight there's a team I think that's going to improve the most from last year. And that team is the Los Angeles Rams. Now, why do I say that? Last year, they went 5-12, and and they were just kind of decimated by injury. Um, Matthew Stafford played half the season, got injured. Same with Cooper Cup. Same with Aaron Donald. So you look at their top three playmakers, and they're out. Now imagine the Chiefs, no Patrick Mahomes, no Travis Kelsey, no Chris Jones for half the year. You wouldn't expect them to win a lot of football games. So with the Rams, to me, there's just an automatic progression, improvement, that, hey, you're going to get these guys back healthy. You don't expect them to get injured half the season like they were last year. So you have that at their disposal, which, again, I think helps out quite a bit. I think there's another thing as well uh, that helps out is they got rid of Jalen Ramsey. I don't think, you know, he is that elite of a corner anymore. I think he's also more trouble than he's worth uh, with some of the, the trash talking and antics that he pulls on them. I think the offensive line, again, which was depleted last year, I think got a little better. Um, you know, I think this team also wants to prove they're not a one-hit wonder. Uh, Sean McVay as well. I think there is extra motivation. Uh, in Los Angeles for this team. So I think this is another uh, reason as well for them to improve and be better than 5-12. and 12. Now, I'm not saying they're going to flip the switch and be 12-5 and 5 like they were a couple of years ago, but is it out of a realm of possibility uh, to think that they could be 9-8 and eight fighting for a wild card spot? That would definitely be a better spot than where they were this past year. Now a team I think is going to regress the most. Now this one to me I think is the most obvious. A lot of people have pegged it to be so. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. Now why am I along with so many other people saying the Vikings are going to regress the most? 
Well, they happen to be 11 and 0 in one score games this year. 11 and 0. They made all the walk-off uh, touchdowns and field goals and last-minute stops. They had everything work their way. Now, I do think there's a little luck involved in that. So, if they go 11 and 0 in one score games and finish 13 and 4, I think if they regress back to the mean, are we going to go 0 and 11 this year? No. Could they go 6-5 and five this year? Certainly. What would that make them? An 8-9 and nine team? 9-8? and eight? Around there, around the 500 mark, where they usually are? That's kind of where I see them heading, not winning their division and as comfortable as a margin as they did last year. So I do think this is a team that's going to regress. Now there's one team I also think that is vastly overrated. At least by my standards, some people have a peg to win their division, be competitive, say they have elite talent on the offensive side of a football. I don't buy it, and that's the Cleveland Browns. I think they're vastly overrated. I think they are going to finish last in their division. Some people are saying that Deshaun Watson's going to go back to his elite self. I really don't see that happening. When you go through what Deshaun Watson's been through, and people still don't know if he's really, you know, guilty or innocent, it's, hey, and people aren't rooting for him and invested in him, and there's fans of him. I think it does make it more difficult. I don't think he's a top 10, 15 quarterback in the league anymore, uh, like he was a few years ago. I do believe Nick Chubb is an amazing, amazing running back who can do so much for this team. He is great, but he did have Kareem Hunt. He no longer has a number two guy on this team. So we'll see from their wide receiver. I'm not sold on Amari Cooper as a top 10 wide receiver, top 15. I don't think he's at that level anymore. I think he's a very good wide receiver. I can suffice for them, but again, I don't think he's a great wide receiver. They have Elijah Moore. Again, I'm not a fan of him. They have Donovan Peoples-Jones and other players, but not great. Uh, tight end play, uh, David Njoku, I think is okay. Offensive line, uh, very good. Defensive line, uh, Miles Garrett is kind of the only scary piece on the defensive line. As Adiria Smith is getting older, uh, who they did sign. Um, linebackers, we'll see if Jeremiah Wosukomoa takes another step up. And then defensive back Denzel Ward is very good. But again, I don't see this as a great team. And then one team, I'm actually going to give you two. Two teams, I think, that are vastly underrated. One of them is the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, it's easy to underrate the Raiders because they're in the same division as the Chiefs, who are the defending Super Bowl champions, uh, the Chargers, who have a very good quarterback in Justin Herbert and have made the playoffs and are talented, and then the other team who, again, everybody's looking at because they have Sean Payton and Russell Wilson this year, and that's the Denver Broncos. 
the Raiders are not getting a lot of media attention or kind of penciled in as the fourth in that division. But I do think that the Raiders have a chance to be a a good team. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl or do anything like that. But again, they have a chance to be a good team because I do think that the team is underrated. I think that Josh McDaniels is a good coach. I think he's a great offensive mind uh, who can work uh, with quarterbacks. Didn't work with Derek Carr. uh, But hey, John Gruden and other coaches didn't work with Derek Carr either. Um, Then they went out and got Jimmy Garoppolo. So Jimmy Garoppolo, that's who uh, Josh McDaniels, he's worked with in the past. Um, He's also a winner. You can't deny that Jimmy Garoppolo is not a winner. He's a very good quarterback. Uh, Josh Jacobs, reporting back to camp, he was one of the best running backs last year. So you have that combination as well to not rely on Jimmy to throw the football a lot. You have that running back, which helps. And then their wide receiver. Oh, it just happens to be Devontae Adams, who I still think is the best wide receiver in the game. Uh, you have that. You also have a good slot receiver, Hunter Renfro. You picked up Jacoby Myers. You have skill positions. You have players for Jimmy to get the football to. Oh, and your tight end. Not only do you have Austin Hooper, who I think is a good tight end, but you drafted, I, who I thought was the best tight end in the draft this year, and Michael Meyer. So uh, let's not sleep on them. Offensive line, I think, is you know average, middle of the pack, not terrible. Defensively, Max Crosby, uh, who's an absolute beast. Chandler Jones, as well, is very good. You drafted Tyree Wilson who I think will be a good rotation piece as well in his first year. Uh, Linebackers, again, are not good. Corners, uh, I think, are slowly improving. They signed Marcus Peters. Uh, Safeties are all right. So I think this team, again, can be underrated. They can win some games. Again, it's just a very tough division in conference for the Raiders. Another team is the Washington Commanders. Now, maybe I'm just in that preseason hype from the game they just won from the Raiders, or from the Ravens, my bad, and snapped their winning streak. But when I look at Sam Howell, who won that last start against the Dallas Cowboys last year, and he played very well, maybe he's not that bad. Maybe we've all given up on Sam Howell because we think, hey, the Commanders are in a draft number two and draft Drake Mavis here. But I'm not sold on that because you have the NFC East, which has historically been a wonky division in which there hasn't been a repeat champion in like 18 years. So you have that. You have these games where, hey, the Commanders with Taylor Heineke beat the Eagles last year. Uh, and were competitive games. They beat the Cowboys, competitive against the Giants. So you have... Those type of games, you have Chase Young coming back as well, which I think is huge because his rookie year, he was very good. So having Chase Young back uh, is big news as well. You have the cloud of, you know, Dan Snyder away from his team, new ownership group, new positivity around his team. You never know with the commanders uh, and where they could end up. I don't think they're going to be as bad as people are thinking 
and, you know, winding up with the second overall pick this year. Now, I want to move to college football. Now, college football, there was a sizable piece of news today that a Georgia running back, um, I think, ruptured his Achilles. Uh, Let me confirm that. Let me pull that up. Yep. Uh, He ruptured his tendon and his patellar tendon, which is in your knee, and he'll be out for the season. He was going to be their number one running back on the roster. Um, Kirby Smart says he has a lot of talented backs in the backfield, but that was a big loss for them. Um, I agree that that is a big loss for the University of Georgia, especially a team that likes to run the football and not require the quarterback uh, to do a ton. I do think that is big news uh, for Georgia and kind of places them, you know, down there is a bit, maybe not as invincible as everybody thinks now with the big player in their rotation dropping like that. The other news I just had a question about is when you look at, you know, the AP poll, three teams got first place votes, Georgia majority, Michigan second, and Ohio State got one. How did Ohio State get a first place AP poll vote? I mean, really, you don't know who the quarterback is. Uh, the coach came out and said that, hey, they took a straw poll. It's dead even, 50-50. How can you have a first-place vote and not know who your quarterback is? Yes, you know your wide receivers, but you also lost offensive tackles. So how did they get a first-place vote? They also got rolled by Michigan last year. So I'm not sold on Ohio State. And Alabama as well in the coaches' poll got first plate votes along with Ohio State ahead of Michigan. Uh, how did Alabama? Same questions as Ohio State with the quarterback. Uh, saw him a little bit last year in relief. Uh, Bryce Young didn't look great, but here we are. We have him, or Alabama, and I think this is just bias that, hey, it's Nick Saban. They'll figure it out. Oh, it's Ryan Day. He's been here before. Bill, the coaches kind of have this respect for the other coaches. But come on. Really? Ohio State, Alabama with first place votes? I'm not buying that. I'm just not. Then lastly, golf players aren't too happy with the last playoff event of the year, which is the Tour Championship. And specifically, not with the venue or location, but with the format. And I agree with them. I think the format is a bit of a joke. They don't like how it crowns the number one player at the end of the year. And I agree with it. I'm not a fan of the start where the first player in FedEx Cup votes, you know, has a two-stroke lead over the next guy and eventually a ten-stroke lead over the 30th guy. That just means that, hey, that 30th guy, it's not it's not most likely to win. You kinda of have you know, ten guys that have a chance of winning in, in the thirtieth, there's really no chance. So you have that um for a tour championship. You have other uh, Scotty said you have other players like John Rahm who thinks, Hey, you win a lot of events in the you know, year. You should automatically kind of be in can't fall out of those top three. Um and I get a combination of those 
but I think this should be tra- treated like a regular uh, playoff event, like football or basketball, whereas you have different playoff events, you progress, some players make it, some don't. But once you get to that last event, it should be you start the same, whoever wins it is crowned the FedEx Cup champion. Why? Because you were well enough to finish in the top 30 of the field. So if you were bad good throughout the year, and then you win the last playoff event, which is the final, that should grant you. So Xander Joffley, I believe, won it a few years ago. However, he didn't win the $18 million prize money, money bonus or whatever it was because, hey, he wasn't as high up in the top five or standings, which I also don't think is right because I think you win the final playoff event. That crowns you because, again, you played well enough to qualify for the final event. So winning it should be enough. So I'm with Xander on that one. I do think the tour I should look at redoing that final format for the playoff event. So I'm saying that because it does start tomorrow. Scotty Shuffler has a two-hole uh, advantage on the next closest guy like he did last year. However, Rory McIlroy closed the gap and won. I don't think Scotty's going to win it this year. I think he's very good, but Hovland is impressive. McElroy uh, is playing well. Never count out John Rahm either. I do think it's going to be an exciting finish to this PGA Tour season. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.